Truck Month is on now. Get 1.49% financing for up to 72 months on a 2022 Chevrolet Silverado 1500. Plus, eligible Costco members can receive a $750 bonus on select trucks. Conditions apply. Visit ChevroletOffers.ca. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. The Pescom Report is sponsored by High and Happy Catering out of Springfield, Massachusetts. Their chef, Michael Best, can cook anything you want with or without being infused with cannabis. Check out some of what they make on their Instagram at High and Happy Catering or call them at 413-785-8999. You'll be happy you did. Welcome to the Pesky Report, a podcast for Red Sox fans. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Pesky Report. This is episode 155. My name is Brad Chandler, and with me today, I have a special guest. I, I think this is just the week of us getting uh, guests from Mass Live. We had Katie Morrison on uh, earlier this week, and I have uh, Christopher Smith. How are we doing? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. This week has actually been kind of fun. I know that you've you had a new child, so and congratulations, and you. uh, you've been kind of you know, relaxing, taking care of the new new child and stay at home and whatnot. So you've had like a vacation going on right now. But um, the All-Star break is kind of like, it's like a vacation for podcasters too, especially mm-hmm. podcasters that like podcast literally after every series. So like this week has been pretty cool for me. It's like, oh, I don't have to go home and podcast, you know? So I totally get, uh, I totally get the uh, vacay thing going on. So like I said, congratulations. Uh, you had said that you're going back to work on a Friday. You yep. get to uh, work sure on a series. Yeah. So uh, first and foremost, uh, like I said, thank you for coming on. Um, we've had uh, Catillo on. I've had Katie on before. I've talked to her. I've actually have been trying to get you on, but the fact that we didn't follow each other. I wasn't able to like shoot you a message and be like, Hey, and I didn't want to just like crowd your tweets and be like, Hey, add me on Twitter so that I could send you messages. Cause that's kind of, <laughs> I didn't know I wasn't following you. I just, uh, just tell Catillo or whatever. And I just say, tell him that oh, will have him follow me and I'll be fine that way. Uh, well, don't have to do that. You follow <laughs> us now. So, uh, that's why I like, as soon as I noticed you followed us, I was just like, oh, I'm going to shoot him a message. Cause I, yeah. like I said, I had Catillo on, I've 
done the uh, I've done his writing workshop that he did, which is fantastic. Anybody who's uh, looking to uh, get more info on that side of uh, sports writing, definitely go check him out and whatnot. But uh, let me start by asking you, how did you get into this? Yeah. So like, you know, I, I was always a baseball fan growing up. I mean, you know, obviously I played uh, when I was 10 years old. I actually had a gruesome injury. Uh, I had a uh, sliding into home trying to get an inside the park home run. And I had I broke two bones in my leg and one came right out of the skin. So, <laughs> so baseball was always my thing. I mean, growing up, like I, I always tell people that, like, you know, my family went to a party um, family party, I would always end up grabbing my dad's keys and going out to the car and listening to the game on the car, like trying to get updates. I remember when I was working at a supermarket, you know, I'd have the, uh, when I was in high school, I'd have the game, the Red Sox game blaring on the boom box radio there in the back room and trying to make as many excuses on having to go to the back room as possible to check the score. So, um, it was always something where I was like, yeah, I like it. And, um, you know, I, I, I love baseball. I love, you know, all sports. I, you know, I was a big football fan too growing up, but, um, baseball was my favorite of all. And, um, I think that, you know, I went to college thinking, well, I can be a beat writer, you know, covering the Red Sox someday. And, um, you know, you study journalism and you know how many like jobs are available and there's not many jobs. And so, you know, so like I, out of out of high school, I mean, out of college, out of Syracuse grad school, actually, um, I was a high school beat reporter in Missouri for a couple of years. So, like, you know, I was covering high school sports in Missouri, and so um, you know, I think it was like twenty one high schools, and so yeah, but like, I mean, that was uh, it was difficult enough to get a high school beat reporter job, you know, and so. Um, came back to Massachusetts. I grew up in Weymouth and uh, on the South Shore. And I decided ah, I don't want to be in Missouri anymore. Just wanted to be closer to my family. So I came back. I ended up getting a job at the Eagle Tribune. At that point, they they were just kind of like, you, you, you know, anybody interested in going to the Red Sox games? And I was like, yeah, of course, you know. Because <laughs> at that time, Bill Burt was the um, – was like the columnist, like covering pro sports, but um, he was taking on the sports editor job. So he wasn't going to go into Red Sox games that summer or whatever. So I was like, yeah, let's go. I'll, I'll do this. And uh, they sent me in. The first game I ever covered was uh, Easter Easter Sunday, uh, 2010, uh, CC Sabathia against Josh Beckett. And uh, I was as sick as a dog that day. Like I seriously, like I went down to my parents first for Easter dinner and uh, this is a nasty story. So sorry for giving you two nasty stories or one. No, we are, we are uncut. So like anything one bone came out of my leg and I'll tell you this, like I threw up in the car, like I was in the middle lane of the highway and I couldn't get over and I threw up in the car. I was really sick. And, and Bill, like, was supposed to go in with me and just kind of show me the ropes that day. I'd never been in, obviously, and he was going to be like, oh. And he calls me while I'm sleeping at my parents' house trying to sleep off the sickness. Um, he calls me at my parents' house, leaves a message. He's like, I'm sick. I can't I can't meet you in there. And so I'm like, great. Now I can't – if he can't go in, I have to go in, right? And right. so I was sick the entire time. And uh, it was the most unpleasant experience. And I, you know, got out late. I wrote – 
crappy articles. And I said to myself, I'm never going to do pro sports again. I'm just going to, you know, stick with the high school stuff. And Bill said, you know, he sent me in like a week later. He was like, you know, you just give it a one more try. Give me a, um, he wanted me to do a story on uh, Carlos Pena, who is from the area, obviously with the razor in town. And I did a story on him and I loved it ever since. And I was obsessed. Like when I would go, like when I was at the Eagle Tribune covering a high school game, um, I would go into like, you know, I would go in on my own time to like Fenway, like after that, or, or like when I was getting married, I was late for the, um, the wedding rehearsal dinner because, or the wedding rehearsal, uh, because I was at Fenway Park, you know, that, that, that day trying to get like pregame stuff. So I was doing, it's a lot of like, if you want to get into the business, you know, you do stuff on your own. Like you, you know, you have to right. go in and you know work on your own and and eventually it will come and that that opportunity finally came with mass live in 2015 nice and that's the longest explanation you've ever had (laughs) no no it's it's perfect actually you know like i look at it this way you got the opportunity uh to go cover the red sox and you were sick and me personally like I've been in this situation where like I had, I I was working to get a position and then like I got the position, but the day after I got the position, I was going to be like the manager, like all by myself or whatever. Yeah. And then the day that I was supposed to be all by myself, I couldn't sleep. I had insomnia. I was just like, I, I was feeling sick. I called the owner up. I was just like, Hey, this is what's going on. He's like, you got to tough it out, bro. And I, you know what? I went in, I worked for 12 hours. I toughed it out. I went home, passed out. But like, I totally get the, you know, you're, you're sick. You still go in and, and stuff. Well, well, it's funny because like I was from the era where like, you know, I mean, now with COVID and everything, like if you have a cold, you know, don't go in. Right. And, and it's, it's understandable now. Like, you know, like you don't want to, you know, get people sick and stuff. But I mean, I like my mother like growing up, you're going to school and you should throw up, you know, before school. <laughs> right. Right. You're going to school. I don't care what you say. Like, yeah. But like, so while you were telling that story about the, the first game you ever went to uh, Easter Sunday, 2010 Yankees, Red Sox, I'm assuming that was an ESP, uh, ESPN yeah. Sunday night baseball game. It, was. it started at eight o'clock. What a game. Well, it's funny though because during the COVID stuff, like they were replaying games on the on Nesson. You know how they were replaying games on yeah, Nessun? and like that was I was watching it, and I didn't remember anything from it because I was like so like so. I guess Pedroy hit a home run or something, or I don't know, maybe Euclid. It's two years ago. I was watching in 2020. I was rewatching it, and I was like. I don't even remember that happening. Yeah, but it was a good game. They won. I remember they won, right? So, so yeah, they they did win. It was uh, nine to seven. It was a nine inning game. Um, it was. I mean, the cool thing is, is like this is Ellsbury, Pedroia, Martinez, uh, Victor Martinez, Euclidus, yeah. Ortiz, Adrian Beltre, J.D. Drew, Mike Cameron, Scudero, and Beckett was on the mound, and Daniel Bard was still was still on the team. Yeah. Oh yeah, you know, he was like an uh, all-star type pitcher that year. I mean, he didn't make the all-star team, but he was all-star caliber. Pedroia ended up hitting a home run. Euclidus hit a, a triple. He hit a double. Uh, Victor Martinez also hit a double. It's like 
these are things that like bring me back to my childhood. You know, like you see, see these, see these names for me, I started like actually like diehard paying attention to the Red Sox in 2013. I feel like I got, I was late to the game, you know, like I was always a Red Sox fan. I can't say that. I actually grew up a Yankees fan. Did you? Yeah. It's totally weird. Right. Um, But you know, I'll, I'll tell you the story another time because I know all the listeners have heard the story a hundred times so far. But yeah, I grew up a Yankees fan in about 96. I saw Mike Greenwell hit a home run over the Green Monster, and then that just changed. Really? That, wow. that was it. And, and Greenwell's not even my favorite player. He's just like one of those players that I'm just like, he's the guy that changed me, you know? Yeah. So, but like I, in 2013, I went to my very first Red Sox game. It was the day before the bombing. Um, and then like, I, I guess because of the bombing, I just like started paying attention a lot more. So mm-hmm. what, what was it that got you, um, like, I wouldn't say like diehard, but like what really got you into like the Red Sox? Like who was the player? Yeah. So like, you know, now it's, it's funny. Cause like, you know, like, uh, as I'm sure Cotillo taught you in the course, like, you know, that fandom kind of like wipes off of you when you're, when you're there every single day. And covering let, it. Let, let, me, let me stop you there for one second. Cause let I, me, I, I, okay. I kind of want to talk about that. Yeah. Cause there's a guy on Twitter that gives Cotillo crap for that. Right. <laughs> and let's, I'll let you finish, but, but, but I want to. I want to talk though, about that. There though. was one point where I was a big time. Fan. I mean, like I would like my mother um, would go crazy because I'd like throw the clicker, uh, throw the remote control. I would like punch a wall because yeah. of the Red Sox. Like and this is when I was like, you know, ten, eleven, and uh, and she would be like, she would always say to me, she'd be like, "What are you gonna do when you're when you're grown up, or if your daughter has a." a dance recital and there's a Red Sox game. You're going to stay home from the dance recital and go and watch the Red Sox game. And, and now obviously now that I have a family and I cover the team and all that, I would go to the dance recital, you know, two seconds before. I, I mean, I would go like, I would go there obviously way before I would go to the, the baseball game. But like, I grew up like, you know, my fandom was huge. I, uh, I, I always say that I, I know Jared Carabas and, and, you know, we talk and I like him, but I, I always say that if we knew each other when we were kids, we would have been like best friends because we were all, we were obsessed, you know, like that. Right. And, um, and so, uh, but the, the thing that really, like, I wanted to be number seven when I was in T-ball cause I was seven years old and seven got taken by the coach's son and somebody else, they, they gave me six. And so, um, I started wearing around and I think the coach said to me, um, the guy named Tony Benya, uh, you know, wear six. He's a good catcher. You should wear six. And so I picked six and, and, um, I started looking into Tony Benya and he became just my favorite player, which is funny because when he was the bench coach for the Yankees or third base, whatever, I don't, I forget what coach was for the Yankees, but I actually told him like how much I liked him growing up and everything when I was in the Yankees clubhouse one day, it was cool to cool to meet him and tell him like, he was kind of the guy that inspired me and I was left-handed. So I, I pitched, but I always wanted to be a catcher. Like I would have way rather been a catcher than a pitcher. And um, they let me catch like one time, but you know, left-handers aren't supposed to catch. So uh, yeah, you don't uh, see that too often, but I had everything. I had the catcher's gear. I had, I still have a catcher's man. 
<laughs> so, I have a left-handed catcher's net. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I like I wanted to be a catcher so bad. My parents bought me, you know, the entire catcher's gear one time for Christmas and stuff like that. But that's really the the guy that kind of got me into it. And you know, that was early '90s. And uh, yeah, I mean, I was in seven years old in 1991. So that like. Yeah, so there you go. So like ninety one, and then I started really getting into it. Not that ninety five team was a big thing for me. I remember like you know Pawtucket Red Sox. I would or even like the Trenton Thunder, where the you know the the single uh, the double A affiliate at that point. I would just keep all the stats on my closet, you know, door. Like I'd post them up, and I'd keep track of all the minor leaguers. That was always a big thing. And, so now I, I, I always, I still love writing about minor leaguers and, and, but that was something that I was all, I always loved to do. You know, I grew up like, like thinking, you know, Donnie Sadler and Brian Rose are going to be the next, you know, big things and everything. And so uh, I'd go down to, I'd go to Pawtucket as much as possible with my parents and stuff. And yeah, I mean, I think that you could talk about one player. It was, it was definitely Tony Pena, but then when, you know, the Pedro Martinez, Pedro Martinez was traded to the Red Sox. And, you know, I would count every fifth day on the calendar right. to buy tickets. You know, I'd be like, okay, he's going to pitch this day. All right, let's buy the tickets. Then I, you only wanted to go when he pitched and it was like an event. Nowadays it's, it's, you don't know who's going to pitch. And that's, yeah. that's even before the whole, um, the whole COVID thing and uh, giving, uh, giving players extra rest and whatnot. But, um, yeah, so I wanted to talk about the the fandom and what happened once you became a writer because I feel like a lot of people think that like you don't like the Red Sox and like as as a writer or a reporter you don't like the team that you cover sometimes and, and it seems to be uh, like kind of like a miscommunication. Yeah. You know, so like I know personally that it's like, all right, I I see these guys, I see these games and like every day, this is my job now. So now it's like it gets to a certain point. So explain, explain what it really is um, about your job. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like I'm, I'm rooting against them here. I mean, that would be counterintuitive. I mean, like, it's not like I'm sitting there in the press box saying, I cover this team. I don't like them. I don't want them to win. You know, it's like, if they do well, that's good for my business, you know, because people are reading. And you also want to cover world series. You want to cover, you know, playoffs. I mean, some of the best things I've ever covered, I mean, are in the playoffs. I got to, you know, I was at Mass Live in 2015, but for the Eagle Tribune, I covered that 2013 playoffs and, you know, David Ortiz's grand slam, you know, the eighth inning grand slam against the Tigers. I mean, that was the greatest, probably one of the greatest games I've ever been to. If not the greatest game, the, the Koji Uihara, you know, saving out, closing out the world series, or I didn't even know if it was a save because they were probably up by a bunch, but like, you know, just, just the atmosphere that was in the park that night, like in that, in that ninth inning, when he came on the mound and you heard his, his song and everything. And so, you know, I, it was awesome to go to, to LA in 2018 to cover the world series. It was awesome to go to Houston. It was awesome to go to Houston last year and, you know, twice and, and, you know, new, um, go to that, cover that wild card game. Those are great experiences. So it's not like I'm rooting against them. Um, but I'm not like rooting. Oh, I hope they, you know, beat the Yankees tonight. You know, um, <laughs> you know, I'm like, you know, I think, you know, it's funny. Like I hated the Yankees growing up and now that I'm in, 
you know, now that I'm a reporter, I go in the clubhouse clubhouses and talk to, you know, I know a lot of Yankees players. I used to know more when it was like the, um, when, you know, it was probably like pre 2015 when I was covering more for the Eagles review and I go into the, the opposing clubhouses a lot and talk, you know, do a Q and a with an opposing player, but yeah, they were awesome. Like Mark Tuchere was a really nice guy. So, you know, it was like, it was like, you know, it's, it's not like you're, you hate these guys like you were as a fan, you know, you, you think, you know, that it's cool. So like, um, you know, so like, and then there's experiences that you have along the way. I mean, you're it's such a grind every day. I mean, I think that people don't realize it and I'm not complaining because I got a cool job. So I'm not saying like, it's a difficult job. It is a difficult job though. Like, you know, you're there two 30 in the afternoon and you don't leave till after midnight a lot of times. And so now that's two 30 when it's like a seven o'clock game, right? Yeah. Okay. And so when you're like, when you're doing that and you're there in the entire day and you're, you know, um, you know, so invested in writing stories about injury reports and all this, I mean, and, you know, getting this interview and trying to, you know, I mean, you just, it's just, it, it's, it's like a job instead of, you know, it's, like not, it's not a fandom thing anymore. Yeah, yeah. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. It's not just the thought that counts. It's your thought. Because no matter how much time you spend picking out the perfect gift, the only thing they'll really care about is that it's from you. Here's to experiences they'll continue to cherish. Season after season, make this December one to remember. Together, click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. And so, you know, I mean, like, I enjoy that, though. Like, I say to people, like, I love to cover baseball more than other sports because, you know, baseball, you get the access where you're able to go in there, you know, pregame. And there's a, you know, an hour clubhouse pregame and, and you could talk to them out on the field. I mean, there's, it's not as much like that. I, I've covered some Patriots stuff and I've covered others, like I've covered the Bruins, I've covered the Celtics and the players are way more accessible in baseball. And so like, you know, in the times that, you know, the opportunities you get to write good features and stuff like that, some players are going to blow up on you sometimes. I mean, if you were to uh, Google, you know, certain things, uh, there was a, incident that Catilla loves to talk about in 2016 where a player blew up at me. Um, a player blew up on you? Yeah. I but, didn't know about this. Yeah. Well, I like to forget about it because it got it got out of hand at that point. It was Pablo Sandoval. <laughs> He's a piece of shit anyways. Well, I mean, we, we reconciled and everything and, you know, things happen. But like, you know, I, like, things are going to blow up on you. Like, you know, like David Price, for example, like I went through his his 2017 season where he didn't want to talk to the media and he was not nice, like at times. And, and then the, the next year, like the good thing about David was like, oh, 
you know, he said at the beginning of 2018, he was like, you know, I'm going to put everything behind me. I hope you guys put everything behind me and you can interview me and, you know, start over. And I was one of the reporters that started over with him. And, and, um, Luckily, you know, he, he ended up winning a World Series that year. And he was, you know, I really like David Price. I mean, it's, I think he's a good guy. I think um, he's not a bad guy at all. But, you know, seeing him that year in 2017, you know, uh, it was a little stress, you know, stressful at times, like having to ask questions when guys are getting really pissed off and stuff like that. And so, um, you know, and, and there's a lot of tension there. I've, I've gone through uh, some teams that there's there's just tension, you know, because they're not winning. And you have to write about things. So you have a different relationship with players, you know, you're like, you know, and so that kind of takes the fandom out of you. But, you know, I mean, um, I still root for my Syracuse, uh, Syracuse basketball team. But you don't cover them. So yes, yes. There's a difference there. Yeah. It's kind of, I I don't know if this is, this is actually the truth, but does Cotillo cover UNC? He never covered UNC because- so if, I feel like if he did, he'd probably yeah. hate it. So he never did, and I never did at Syracuse. I was uh, I worked for the Post Standard, which was different because like a lot of the students worked at the student newspaper, and they were covering the football and the basketball teams, and they had to deal with the athletic people all the time, and it, and you know trying to get um, interviews that were tough. I know college is very tough to like organize stuff. And, really. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I guess it probably depends on the college, but, you know, you have to go through a lot of channels to get certain people, and it's probably a pain in the butt with a lot of people there. So when you see a lot of Syracuse people around, um, r- reporters, not the broadcasters, like Sean McAdam, you know, uh, I mean, okay. Sean, McAdam, Sean, Sean McDonough, sorry, there's a shout out to Sean McAdam, the Boston Sports Journal. <laughs> um, Sean, Mc, uh, Sean McDonough, uh, you know, who's obviously a great, um, broadcaster he was right. and he always you know he's still he's a Syracuse fan and everything but when you're a reporter it's like I go around and a lot of these guys don't like you know the they don't like the the Syracuse basketball team because they had to deal with Bayheim and stuff and all that and I didn't do that I mean I I covered stuff I mean I was in the dome and stuff like that for some reporting but um I covered like basically for the Syracuse post standard which was you know was the big the paper in the area. So I had an internship there, so I didn't do the student newspaper there. So I, I so I, I got to keep my fandom. However, I always had my Syracuse fandom because I have family that grew up in Syracuse or I have family that is still in Syracuse. And so I went there every summer when I was a kid from, you know, the time I was two, three years old. And, you know, nice. and so I was, I always wanted to go to Syracuse. So I, I have a question for you, and it, it's something that I learned from Catello uh, about you, actually. You have very odd articles that you write, and they're not, the, they're not your normal um, articles, but they get hits. Yeah. Right? So what was the oddest article you wrote, uh, and who was it about? The what is it? What oh, was the oddest. Yeah. That's a good question. Um, well, like, I would have to say that there was one that I did about Stephen Wright when he was a Red Sox player about, like, right. how he um, talked to me about how, like, he actually delivered his children or something. <laughs> 
<laughs> Wait, you, you asked this guy how he delivered. The- I don't know how it came to that. Like, <laughs> you know, just things go in different directions. And I don't really remember because this is a long time. Stephen Wright hasn't been on the team for a while. And yeah, if you look it up, like he like delivered, like he was able, like he was in the room and the doctor was like switched with him. Like, you know, you can deliver your own child here. And so like, you know, he has like a part of it and everything. So like, I mean, but there's been some, some, odd articles but you know there's been some cool ones like like uh you know chris sale and and christian vasquez the hug that they gave each other after the 2018 world series well you know i was talking to christian vasquez in 2019 spring training and um i was like you know i was talking to him about you know other stuff and whatever and he was like he showed me his phone cover and he got like an engraved photo in wood of like them hugging each other and he also gifted that, one chris sale that was a cool that, that was a cool uh moment for the yeah for the and so i was like let's write a story on that and you know that another one was like like the fact that chris sale was able to hold him up like yeah vasquez isn't a small guy yeah, yeah. And, and chris sale's like 140 pounds soaking yeah. wet in another one um when Thornburg had the thoracic outlet syndrome surgery, yeah. um, I was like, he told us at the winter weekend that um, he still had the 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 bone, the rib that's removed, right? And so I was like, hmm. So I put that in my back pocket, and I was like, hmm. You know. So I asked him about to talk it. to you about that. Well, yeah. So I asked him about it in spring training, and he was like, yeah. Um, my parents have it now and it's on display in their in their house and so he's like so i was like oh really so i was like can your parents take a photo of it on display in their house and he was like yeah that's cool and so he got you know he texted his parents his parents texted him the photo he texted me the photo and that's the story that ran so there's just weird things that that come up you know if you ask somebody about that's probably the weirdest one yeah. I have to see that article. Yeah, just do um uh yeah, just just google that and um the Thornburg uh like shelf rib parents <laughs> just google those words <laughs> and uh and um and you know and there's just certain things that like you know you you talk to certain people about things and um you know like they put it in a mason jar. <laughs> Like you, um, like, yeah, certain things. Like I remember talking to Christian Vasquez like one day and I'm like, why is there a baby on your arm? You know, like what, why is there a tattoo of a, of an infant on your arm? And I mean, this isn't weird. It's a good story. It's like his, his brother, it's his brother who, you know, passed away as a baby and everything. And so, you know, I mean, just by asking people like, you know, what's, what is this random, like, do you have any meaningful tattoos? Do you, you know, usually it's just the conversation goes in a direction where. And these, these are things that like nobody else asks. Like, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm pretty sure nobody else was like, Hey, do you still have that bone like on display? At your what, you, know, I, you kind of like get a understanding of what works and what, what doesn't um, like we have one of the great parts about working for advanced media, which is mass live and everything is they give us access to the page views and everything. So we can see what's working, what players are doing well. And 
like one spring training, I mean, Sam Travis was like going off on everything. So like, you know, I, I wrote, you know, features on him because, you know, he was got people are interested in him. So you get to see who people are interested in, what storyline people like. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, I could probably think of a, a ton of other crazy stories, but uh, I'm I mean, actually it was, pretty. It was one where I was just like, I was just like uh, listening at some events that, um, that um, uh, Raquel uh, Ferrer was talking at and okay. like to, to these fans. I, I don't really even remember what it was. It wasn't like it was like, the media i guess the media could go but it wasn't like we were taught like i don't know what it was but she was talking to these fans and she mentioned like how xander bogarts um like dustin pedroia uh xander didn't have xander's only had one sports coat or something when he got called up to the majors and he it got lost or something and xander and dustin pedroia went out and bought him a couple like suits and everything and so, you know, like, so I put that in the back of my head. That was in, that was in like the winter time that I heard her speaking about that. And when spring training came around, I said, Xander, did, did, um, you know, Dustin buy you a couple suits when you were, uh, you know, when right before you made your major league debut and stuff like that. And he was like, yeah. And he told me the story. So there's just different things that you hear um, as you go around That's crazy, and you put dude. them in the back of your head and you hope that somebody doesn't write it before you do. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm going to read the Tyler Thornburg uh, <laughs> article because like just the picture alone, just like it, it, it's caught my attention. Yeah. Um, like knowing. Well, it's funny. I don't even think that that was like a big art. Like it was just like, here's they're on, it's on display. This is the this is what happened. I wrote a little bit about it in then January about the thoracic outlet syndrome. But this was one of those things where it was just like. Um, it was like the middle of the day in spring training and I went up to him and I'm talking to him and I'm like, how's your health and everything? How are you doing? And, and then I'm like, you know, did you, you still have that rib, right? And he's like, yeah. So like, and so it just so happened that like he texted his mother right away. She texted him to him right away and I had it within like five minutes. So I was like, oh, I'm just going to go up to the press box and post this photo and write a little story. So, you know, I mean, it's just like, you know, it's just like, uh, that's how you do things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like I said, man, uh, that's, that's kind of, that's piquing my interest. Um, I'll have to look up some of the other stuff that you had, uh, you've had on, uh, that you were mentioning, especially the Xander situation. That's typically something like, uh, uh, somebody who's already in the bigs, something they do for the rookies anyways. Uh, I've heard about like, uh, I believe it was Yaz for Jim Rice. Um, saying that he bought him a suit or something like that when he came up. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. They're, and, like, you know, Mitch Moreland was, like, telling me, you know, like, one time, like, he was sitting at his computer, like, when he got the call that he was going to be in the major leagues, like, he was in the, like, making his major league debut, he was sitting in his computer, and I'm like, like, right when he, like, uh, got that call like right after everything on his wish list he bought <laughs> but it's like, <laughs> like you know he had like a bunch of hunting stuff and like a bunch of the he just like bought everything on the wish list he's like i'm about to make a bunch of money so it's like, nice. i you know what i think i've actually heard that story yeah um, so he's yeah i mean it's just like you know it's just like going in and like sometimes it works and sometimes it's awkward and you know you don't get anything out of it but you maybe you get like a good you know people often too like just you know like 
you know, about this prospect, like I find that, you know, people just like, you know, how are they doing? Like how, why are they able to hit, you know, so well, did they change anything in their stance? Did they, um, how fast does this guy throw? What other pitches does he throw? So when I do a lot of the minor league stuff, that's what people are interested in more than, you know, like I, I was, I actually was the first to have Devers tell Devers tell me in spring training when he was in the minors, he was probably only in a ball at that time. And he told me about like how he used to ride his, his horse to the, to the park. Uh, when he was in the Dominican Republic, he had like a horse that had a bad leg or, or maybe, I think it was a bad leg or maybe a three-legged horse. It could have been a three-legged horse. I don't know. I don't remember the street exactly, but it was about like how he used to ride this injured horse to the field and every day and, you know, to play baseball. And that actually didn't do as well as, you know, some of the, you know, like just kind of getting to the, to the nitty gritty of what the, uh, of what the minor leaguers are doing. So, so it's more like when it's more, I try to say that stuff for the major leagues, although I try to give a background of minor leaguers too, because their background isn't known yet. And so, you know, you kind of try to establish things like with, with um, Raffaella, I recently wrote an article about him and, you know, asked him about his, his past and stuff like that. But I started it, you know, with, with his ability and stuff like that and why he's hitting for such, you know, power and indifferent things like that. He's doing, he's doing so good. He's got that, he's got that Mookie type uh, body build. Yeah. Um, and, and in his swing, he's just, his hands are fast too. And mm-hmm. like, even if you like look at the way he's holding his bat, it kind of reminds like, if you didn't know it was him, you would think it was like Mookie. So, yeah. It's very similar. Swing yeah. Swing. So speak. So seeming as though you brought up Devers, let's start talking about him. Yeah. Right. So there's talks about the fact that the the Red Sox offered him a contract uh, similar or an extension uh, similar to what uh, was it? Um, who was it? The Matt Olson. Matt Olson. I, I I don't know why I was thinking Carpenter for some reason. I have what Matt Carpenter eight sixty nine or one sixty nine or something like yeah. that. Yeah. So. Kind of a slap in the face. Kind of a yeah. slap in the face. I want to get your opinion. Do you think that this is a deal that's going to get done? Or do you think it's like, I really hope you don't say that you think he's going to, they're going to let him walk. But no, actually, think- I was, yeah, I was talking with Catillo about this. I was like, I, I was like that Buster only thing where he said, like, he can't envision seeing the Red Sox give W-E-I, him. WEI, right? Yeah, he said that on the pregame show, and I, I texted Catilla. I was like, I don't know. How can you not envision that? I just – I don't know. I just – I feel like if there's anybody on this team, I, I would pick him over, you know, Bogarts as the guy that they're focused on getting a deal done with. Um, you know, you can – you know. That seems to be the consensus too. Yeah, I mean, I just – I don't understand why – like just because the Red Sox haven't done it yet doesn't mean that they're not going to do it. Don't kill them for something they haven't done yet that they that – they, <laughs> you know, I mean, like they still have, you know, this whole offseason coming up and, you know, next year. But, I mean, yeah, they've they probably uh, got it to a level right now where they're – if they had extended them last year or the year before, uh, it would have been a lot less – money but um, yeah definitely but like right now like i just i don't know i mean he's like his ability as a hitter is just unbelievable i mean like he just is such an i mean an unreal hitter it reminds me of like you know see like he can be that type of 
a player that's like David Ortiz for years to come in, in a Boston uniform. And so he kind of reminds me. Why, yeah. He kind of reminds me of like a cross between like David Ortiz and Vlad senior. Yeah. So like David Ortiz, because he's clutch, but senior, because he can golf, golf yeah. the ball down, down near his ankles. Yeah. And so like, I don't see why like they wouldn't spend the money on him. Um, they are still a big market team. They, I've acquired all these assets, um, you know, like you know, I, a lot of like Red Sox stats on Twitter. He, he, you know, he looks at the Red Sox um, buying the Pittsburgh Penguins as a positive, you know, they're building their, their they, you know, they're right. and like, let's look at. And what, a lot of people look at it as a negative. Yeah. Yeah. And then the fact so, that there's talks about them buying a basketball team in Las Vegas. Yeah. And so like, you know, you look at it and, uh, they have a bunch of contracts coming off the books. Um, right. And they, you know, they're, I, I just, I feel like they're going to sign him. I wouldn't be surprised if a deal got done in this, this coming off season, but I mean, you know, maybe they don't, <laughs> but I, you know, like people, I don't think, they don't be giving, riot. I, I don't think people are giving like, like Bloom, Yes, his his deals have been very Tampa-like so far and his approach. I mean, you know, Tampa wouldn't have signed a story for, you know, 160-whatever it was, but or 140-whatever right. it was. Um, but, like, otherwise, his deals have been very Tampa Bay-esque and his approach has been somewhat Tampa Bay-esque. Um, however, like, we saw a lot of small market – getting payroll knocked down with, with Andrew Freeman and with the Dodgers over the first so many years um, that he was there. Mookie Betts was the first, and he was, he started there in what? I think 2000 and uh, like December, 2000 or November, 2014 or whatever, Andrew Freeman with the Dodgers. And it could have been before that even Um, his first, nine digit contract of over a hundred million dollars was to Mookie Betts. And now they're, they're, you know, throwing money all over the place. I mean, Fred, yeah. Freeman and you know, I mean, they're, they're, they're just absolutely, their payroll's insane right now. So it's not, you know, you can look at it and you can be like, Oh, why didn't the Red Sox go out and get this guy and everything? Well, the Red Sox have gotten, you know, uh, gone out and gotten big name players over the years and they failed. And then they, and then they get criticized by the same people that exactly like the Carl Crawford deal. And we uh, have, we'll we have Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba casino. This year. I was only playing for fun. So winning this was a dream come true. Chumba casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun with over 80 casino style games to choose from. You too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a world. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. Nothing feels as good as making others feel good. Those so-called feel-good holiday films? They can't hold a gingerbread-scented candle to the feeling of giving them something that gives them all the feels. Make this December one to remember. Together. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. We have one of our uh, our, our co-hosts, Bailey, who who's made it very very clear 
uh, said the exact same thing you did about Friedman and was like, you got to give Bloom some time. I feel like our fan base is very, very impatient when it comes to making deals. Like we have another one of our co-hosts on uh, Ryan Brady, who actually sent me a text message yesterday, said that if, uh, you know, Dombrowski didn't make the playoffs in 2019 and he was fired. And, you know, Bloom, obviously, the Red Sox didn't make the playoffs in 2020. I don't know anybody who thought that that team was going to make it to the playoffs, regardless if it was 162 games or 60 games, Mm -hmm. but made it to the playoffs last year, was two games away from the World Series. They still have time this season to make it to the playoffs. Granted, there's a bunch of holes. And he's doing what he he was brought in to do. Like I said, I just don't think that our fan base is patient enough. Anyway. Well, it's it's actually interesting because when you talk about patience, like there was another guy that did it, and um, it was Theo, like in in with the Cubs, like you know. And I remember when he took over the Cubs, and they were really building that thing from within, and they didn't for a few years they didn't sign anybody to a, a big contract. And I remember in the dugout when the Cubs came to Fenway Park in. I don't know what year it was, 2015, whatever, uh, maybe before that. Um, yeah, it was probably like 2014, 2015. I was like, when are you guys going to – I said to Jed Hoyer, I'm like, well, you know, when are you guys going to finally make your splash? And he's like, these reporters have been at, asking me that for, you know, two years or whatever, you know. He's like, we're just – we're being patient here. And they were able to take that patient approach in Chicago. Um, that is a – historically been a you know i'm not saying it's a loser franchise but they have lost a lot like they know what it is like to lose and so they could be patient right when they could right. get a deal that had to turn to red sox um i mean even despite the fact that the red sox historically weren't losers like you know the cops i mean the cubs have had like really bad teams and they we're not saying the cubs are losers <laughs> No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. But I mean, historically, they have been, you know, they were a bad team for a long time. And even right. though the Red Sox hadn't won a World Series in a long time, they had, you know, some really good teams. Exactly. Over the right. Like the Cubs didn't. And so maybe that's why the the fans had a little bit more patience there. Um, and, you know, but the Red Sox fans have seen now four World Series and, you know, in this ownership right. period. And they don't want to be patient for a couple of years. I understand like you can build for now in, in the future together. And Theo was, is one of those guys that's is successful in doing that. I think that he was kind of in the middle, like, you know, grow the the farm system, know when to trade away some players. Whereas Ben Sherrington was like, you know, too prospect invested. Right. Um, and, you know, he he wanted to keep all his prospects. It's Henry Owens, it's Blake Swihart, so it would have got you, you know, some maybe a Cole Hamels or something. Um, and then Dabrowski was too far on the other end where, you know, he didn't really care at all. Right, the checks. Yes, exactly. And then so they're trying to find somebody on the middle ground again. Now, so far, Bloom has been towards more towards the prospects than anything. He's looked more like Sherrington, but – he needs to get to that middle ground of like Theo. Yeah. I, I, I do feel though uh, he's, he spent more uh, that there's people out there uh, that have been like, I want to see him spend on, on a player, on a, on a good player more than two years because before story, his biggest contract was Kike Hernandez. 
And that was a steal, honestly, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but he, he gets story. I believe it was $140 million um, for six years. Right. So he gets him. And then now people are like, well, don't stop there. You know, you gotta, you, you gotta sign bogey. You gotta sign Devers. And, and it's like, I don't know if people really understand what he's trying to do. Cause he's very quiet. He doesn't tell people his, he, he's very behind the scenes. He doesn't tell you what he's doing. Unlike Dombrowski. Dombrowski was like, all right, we need to go out and get a relief pitcher and a bat. And yeah. then he goes out, he gets a relief pitcher and a bat with Bloom. It's like, you know, recently he just said we need two right-handed relief pitchers, and that's what I'm hoping he goes and gets. I hope we're not uh, sellers uh, at the deadline. I hope it's the fact that we are buyers. It should but be I, interesting. It comes down to, like, the next week, really. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and there's... the fact that we haven't won a series versus the American League East is just baffling. Yeah. I mean, um, they potentially could be buyers and sellers at the same time. But, you know, like, I've always been a supporter since Bloom got the job of, like, you know, I think his approach is good. And I, I'm like, you know, don't overreact to certain things. But there are mistakes he's made. I mean, like, the Schwarber thing. Like, you know, like, yeah. You, you – you know, where, where does he play? Well, you don't have a first baseman right now. Like Dahlbeck is having a historically bad season right now. And, you know, and, and even if you don't like his defense, they're not getting great defense on first base anyway. And you could move him to DH when, you know, JD Martinez leaves next year. So it's like, that was a big miss on his part. I don't understand why he didn't make more of a push to, to sign Schwarber. So He's made some, he's had some misses, but everybody's going to have misses. But you hope that the misses, like, aren't that big. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if he thought that Schwarber was worth 79, uh, 79 million for four years. So I, th- I totally hear what you're saying. Like, JD might be gone by the, uh, at the end of this season. You could push Schwarber over to uh, DH, even if you know he's not a first baseman. I definitely wouldn't want to see him in the outfield. He's yeah. bas- basically JD Martinez. Like I don't want to see JD in the outfield either. You know, roll your ankle going going over second base. But um, no, Schwarber was definitely a, a big miss. Everybody's upset about that. The other one was uh, another one that a lot of people are disappointed about is the fact that um, traded Hunter Renfro uh, for as everybody says, Jackie Bradley Jr., that we know he came with prospects, and it was the prospects that they were getting and not uh, JBJ. Um, I don't know. Who else Who else is everybody? Well, I think that there? right there is a, is a miss right now, too. I mean, I don't know how great Hunter, Hunter Renfro is doing. I do know he has some home runs and everything. I don't think he's having a stellar year, but it's like – you know, the Red Sox home run production is, is taking a big drop this year, right? Like, and so um, – you know, and the prospects that they got back aren't haven't really. I mean, Benellis, I guess, is is hit pretty well, but it's not like anything are off the charts. And, and Hamilton has struggled. Uh, so, like, you know, I mean, you can make these trades, but you know, like he did sacrifice his his major league roster and the home run production definitely by you know getting rid of you know Renfro and and not signing Schwarber. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Renfro's got thirteen, and it sounds like it seems like he's platooning. Um, a lot in Milwaukee. So I'm not saying he's the greatest player ever here, but I'm no, just no. saying that like maybe you could have done better. I don't know. Or maybe you could have, 
I don't know. I just, you know, I don't know. Maybe you couldn't have done that. Maybe these two guys were guys that they really had, you know, an eye on and they won Hamilton and Ellis. But, like, you're, you're taking a – usually when you trade away major league players for, for prospects, you're, you're going to lose most of those deals. Some, yeah, sometimes I agree. I mean, not most of those deals, but, like, you know, like, unless you're trading away a top player or whatever, you're, you're typically if – you're, if you're trading away, like, you know, Hunter Renfro type, you know, for mid-level guys or, or potentially guys, you know, in, in the range of like, you know, 15 to 30 in another prospects in another team's ranking system. It's not always the wise, like, you're not, you're not, you're obviously going to probably not hit as much as, as if you were getting the major leaguer back. Now you, you would be more in the know on this. And I heard this on EI. Uh, I, I forgot who it was, but um, they had stated, they were like, do you think that the reason why they traded Hunter Renfro was because of the fact that he had that COVID situation where he was saying, like, they told – he was on the radio telling people, like, hey, they told us to stop testing? You don't uh, think that had anything to do with it? No. I mean, there's there's players that, like – yeah, I mean, I don't know. Um, I, I don't think that they would they'd do it just because he said that. You know, like, I, I, I don't think they – they probably weren't happy. I remember, like, you know – like certain, I know that people like the higher ups aren't always happy. Even like you know when when a player says something that you know goes crazy, but and they may have spoken out of turn. But like I don't think that that's the reason. No, yeah. I always thought it was uh, they thought they got the most value out of him um, in uh, in the twenty twenty one season. Yeah, and didn't think that he was going to be able to produce what he did in twenty twenty one. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. I, I mean, he's kind of on pace to be doing what he was doing, but he's also not playing nearly as much as he was last year. Uh, last year, he had 144 games, uh, obviously, out of 162, but so far he's only at 59. So, yeah, it, it looks like, it, like I said, it looks like he's just platooning. I did yeah. see him play. He was playing first base oh, at really? one point, yeah, which was odd. Um, so, but, uh, back to, uh, the, to Dabbers and, uh, Bogarts. Now, obviously we know that Bogey, we all assume, which is most likely going to happen, assume that Bogey is going to opt out, uh, depending on, on the way his year is going to go. Do you think them keeping Bogey is going? It would be uh, wise for them to do to, to get Devers, or do you think that wouldn't matter? I don't think it matters. I mean, if you're going to give Devers the deal that he wants, then he's going to take it, you know. So I like. Oh, you? What do you mean by that? Like, so like Bogey, Bogey and Devers are like really good friends, yeah, 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 like, yeah. like family, basically brothers, father, whatever people are calling them nowadays. Yeah. So, like, if Bogey stays, you think there's a better chance for them to get Devers uh, to st- to stay, maybe even at a cheaper deal? I mean, just you know, it's difficult to say. I think that they all look at it as business, and like you know, they can be friends with people even though they're not on the same team, and they'll see like, them. Look at Mookie. Yeah, I mean, he and Andrew Benatendi and, um, you know, Brock Holt hang out all the time during the offseason or whatever. So it's not like, I don't know. I don't look at it that way. I just look at it as they're, if you give, if you give Devers his, what he, what he's worth, then he'll sign. Um, 
I don't know if they feel like, you know, Bogarts' power numbers have gone down over the last so many years, like each year. Yeah. And his defensive metrics aren't great, but, like, you know, he, he does make the plays, the routine plays, and he's steady. So, like, I, I don't know. I mean, like, I, do you move him to second base eventually? I mean, you've got Marcelo that, that will be up eventually shortstop. I don't know. That's, like, I, it's just going to be very intriguing to see, like, what they do with them, how much they their final offer is to him. Um, if if I was to take a guess on one of the, if they were to, you know, they, as I was telling Cotillo the other day, I'm like, the CBT, the, the competitive balance tax threshold, I mean, that's gone, that's gone up significantly. So, you know, you're going to be able to have, you know, like multiple $30 million players on your roster and they should be able to sign both these guys. Um, they should be able to, uh, yeah, I mean, they have contracts coming off the books, as I said, big contracts. They've got a lot of money coming off the books. They've got David Price's $17 million or whatever, whatever it is, half of his hundred, uh, half of his $31 million per year. And so um, while they have, like, they have money coming off the books, the but, you know, I think Bloom's going to look at it more as, you know, is he worth it? Is he, you know, is his defense declining? Is his is his, uh, you know, home run production declining and look at it that way and see what he can do. Like, that's that's the only way he's going to look at it. I don't think he's going to look at it as, like, Bogarts is, is Boston, right? Like, right. <laughs> he needs so much to the, the team and the city. I think he looks at everything probably in a business way. He's and, looking at it differently than what, like, a fan is looking at it. Like, we look okay. at it as, like, he's the, he's, he's the captain. He's the captain without the, without the title, you know? And it's like, he's the guy that's in the clubhouse. We, I mean, I don't know how he works in the clubhouse. I don't know how he is out, outside of the park. I just know that he, it seems like he's respected and he's the guy that's like in charge, you know, not in charge, but like he's the captain. Yeah. That's, I mean, he is. That's I the mean, feeling that's, we get. Yeah. He's the vocal guy and he, you know, he's great with everybody on the team and you know, he's the one that talks like, you know, if there's no one else, like after a tough loss, you know, he's the guy. I've heard that there. numerous times. Yeah. So he's, he is the captain of the team, you know, without the C, but like, you know, I don't think that I don't like, I don't think that Heim looks at, I mean, I guess you, you do put like certain stock into, you know, um, you know, your value off the field too and your value in the clubhouse and all that. But like, you know, for a big contract like that, I don't, I think you'll tend to look at yeah. more of the metrics. Yeah. You have to look at what they're doing on the field and, and with the stick instead. Um, so yeah, we got Vasquez, Uvaldi, uh, I believe Flawecki as well. You got yep. um, prices, 16 million coming off. Um, the one contract I get a lot of crap for this. The one contract that I'm like really irritated about is Chris Sale's contract. Oh yeah, it's, I feel like that one just and the and the thing. So I did a little bit of research. I want to say it was about a month ago, and found out that we owe him fifty million dollars deferred. Uh, twenty, I think it's from twenty thirty five to twenty thirty nine. Uh, he gets ten million dollars a year, and I'm just like, what are we doing? <laughs> Well, that's just John Henry's like you know problem at that point. It's not that doesn't go to like the the you know the CBT and all that, the threshold and all that. That's that deferred money was put off so that they could have an, a, a, a a lower average annual salary. 
um, you know, so that they're CBT, you know, against the CBT. So I understand like there is a bunch of deferred money and it's kind of like, you know, Bobby Bonilla, you look at that and like, you're like, you know, that kind of contract. July but, first. Like, I think the way you have to look at it, Chris Sale is, is that <clears throat> I wrote it in 2019 and my 2019 predictions, I just actually went back and looked at it. And I was like, I think this is going to be the last year of Chris Sale with, with the Red Sox because you look at like the violent delivery you look at the shoulder issues that he had in 2019, how his production kind of tails off at the end of each year in August and September. And, and, you know, how much longer can he keep this going as, you know, uh, a frail, I mean, he's, you know, he's, he's, they call him stick man for a reason, you know, like, you know, how long can he hold up physically? Cause he hasn't hold, held up physically as years have gone on. And, you know, he had the shoulder problems and, you know, shoulder, elbow for all these things are connected. You know, if you have a weak shoulder, you know, that's kind of, you know, that's, 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 that spells elbow problems. And so I, I wasn't surprised that the elbow problems came next. Um, <clears throat> and so I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have signed him or I would have waited throughout that 2019 season to see how he did and then signed him. If I felt like, you know, he performed, yep. Um, that's the other thing, like with, with like a guy like Evaldi, like people are like, oh, why haven't they extended Evaldi? Well, they shouldn't because, you know, he has that injury problems and, you know, you don't want to get into a bad contract. And so you, if you feel like at the end of this year, if he's performed and he's healthy, then you do it. But why do it before you have to with pitchers? Right. Uh, I feel like Evaldi's probably, if we're going to end up being sellers, he's going to be one of the people that are gone. Oh yeah, people will love him because you know just his postseason you know resume. I mean, you know, I mean he's he's a guy you can get a lot for. Um, you know, guys are having good years are like Michael Walker. You know, like these are guys that could help out another team. Um, so yeah, and you're when you're forgetting about bad contracts. What about the <laughs> Matt Barnes? No one even mentions Matt Barnes anymore, bro. I, like, I I I honestly I just like. It's not that bad I, though, just because it's not like it's not a long term thing. Um, but still, it's when so we have uh, Ryan Brady, I always give him credit for this. Um, he said that Matt Barnes was trash, right? And he he goes by he goes by emotion um, with this one, but he wasn't wrong. Uh, his emotion gets the best of him when it comes to Matt Barnes. Anytime we mention him, it's F Matt Barnes. What, what a what a loser, blah blah. Yeah. So I mean, so Brady, uh, you know, great guy, but um his father was he lives in New York. His father was the one that got him into the Boston Red Sox. Well, his father ended up passing away, and before he passed away, he had tickets to this game against the Chicago White Sox. It was supposed to be him and his friends. They were going to go to this game, enjoy the game, whatever. And uh, instead, you know, obviously his father passed. And Ryan Brady was like, uh, he ended up going to the game. And the Red Sox were down. The White Sox came back. or They were up. The Red Sox ended up coming back. And then Matt Barnes goes on, goes on the mound. And I, I bet you can go see where this is going. Uh, and he just gives up a fucking bomb <laughs> to lose the game. And we actually, we actually watched the pitch sequence um, for this game. And I, I swear, I, I was there with Brady, and I could feel 
every bit of emotion being like, F this guy. And it has been that way ever since. I understand and I get it. But uh, yeah, he he's well, probably the biggest Matt Barnes hater ever. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Yeah, I think that when you looked at that, like he wasn't as good as what, you know, like when you're looking at his first half last year, he, he isn't that good. Like he's not as good as that, but he's not as right. bad as what he was, what he's become here. So like something going, you were going to get the, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the normal Matt Barnes who, you know, is pretty good and struggles sometimes in the second half, but you know, overall, but this has just been a total disaster. But, do you so so his uh, his IL stat? Um, do you think that's a legit injury? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, like you know, it could be something, but it's been so long and everything. Um, I mean, he was pitching plus. down in the Florida, uh, Florida never, Coast League, and he was just giving up dingers there. Yeah, I mean, it's not good. <laughs> he is like, I just don't see how he's going to come back and be like even next year. Like, I just I and I think that the Red Sox were banking on him. That's exactly you what know, it was. And, and, you know, they, they obviously signed, you know, Diekman and they signed Strom, but they were banking on him and, you know, they signed uh, Robles, but I think they were banking on him to, to get back to, you know. It's form last year. Yeah. And and that obviously didn't work. And that, mm-hmm. that and there goes the bullpen, you know. Yeah, basically. And that's I mean, that's actually a bad calculated with a lot of things right there. Like they miscalculated with with other things too. I mean, uh, they probably miscalculated. They thought Dahlbeck could get you know near his his second half potential last year. And Whitlock becoming a starter. Yeah, and I think Whitlock can be a very good starter. I, th- just... I I think he could be a starter as well. I just don't like the fact that they did it like end the season. Yeah, it was like stretch yeah. him out. Yeah, you know, before so, the season starts. So I think that if if you were to talk to Bloom, like you know, he would probably tell you, like honestly, like yeah, I missed on a few of these things. Like we miscalculated. That would that was what we probably say. But like, you know, I, as I said, I'm I'm a Bloom. Like I, you know, I I think that Bloom's doing a pretty good job so far, and I would wait to see how he you know continues because I think he's he's building something, and people need to be patient. All right, so we started talking about him. Um, you brought him up, and I have a few more questions for you. Mm-hmm. Um, Whitlock, obviously, you know that was a miss there, trying to make him a starter and whatnot. Uh, not not making him a starter, but like the fact that they pushed to make. Was that you? 
You sorry, it was a text message my wife sent me over the computer. <laughs> that that's okay. I was like, wait, what was that? Um, but Whitlock, them changing him from the reliever to a starter uh, to a starter, obviously wasn't uh, ideal, and uh, you could see that because of the way he pitched as a starter. I think he'll be a great starter when they let him stretch out before the season starts. I just texted my wife. Don't don't text me again. <laughs> it's okay. We're we're almost done. Um, Whitlock, you gotta learn though. Like you can't just text during broadcast here, right? Come fair on. enough. I mean, <laughs> I always keep my phone on silent, so there's that, so that I don't get the dings. Well, I um, I always keep my phone on silent, but I guess I just I don't have the computer tab. Like they set up to the text of the computer, and I guess I don't have that on silent. I don't even know how to do it. Man. Oh, what what do you have, Mac? You know, yeah, I have an I have an Apple. Yeah, see, I don't know anything yeah. about those things. That's that's above my pay grade. <laughs> um, but Whitlock, uh, going from reliever to starter, obviously back to reliever. Do you think that 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 changing him from the reliever to a starter it messed messed him up at all? I mean, you know, might have. I I just you know like there. I, I just don't understand why they didn't do it at the beginning of the year. You know, like if they if they wanted a set routine for him, well, yeah, maybe maybe the money and everything, the signing extension. Although the extension does get you know has you know um, you know has bonuses for innings pitched and start you know accelerators and that and stuff like that. But yeah, that's a good point. But I mean, like you know, why not start him at the beginning of the year? Um, you know, they could have. I was very surprised that they picked. Um, they picked Hauk very early in spring training as a starter and didn't give Whitlock, you know, like as much consideration. It just didn't feel like it. And so like, I, I was surprised about that. So I don't think it's, it screwed him up. I, a lot of people compare it to like, a, like, like um, don't, don't Daniel Bard him, you know, like in the middle of the that was, you know, I don't think that that's like a good comp though with anybody, because a lot of, a lot of pitchers, a lot of starting pitchers in the minors become really like start as relievers in the major leagues and look at Chris Sale starters. The, the only, the only thing with Bard was, you know, he, he had a history of, you know, even in the minors of losing command and control and stuff like that. And so I don't look at it as like a situation where they could have screwed him up like Barnes. I just think like, you know, could they prepare him better in spring training to handle it? And, you know, um, made him, you know, ready for that role as the season went in and, and just went with them at the beginning of the year instead of like, you know, two weeks or three weeks into the year to make the decision. Um, I think right now, though, he's more valuable, obviously, to them as the pulp, at the pulpit. And I think there was probably con, um, conflicting opinions between the front office and maybe the manager on uh, or, you know, certain people on whether he should. Wait a minute. Hold on. Are you saying that Alex Cora didn't agree with Bloom with putting Whitlock as a starter? <laughs> saying that, no, 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 no. I know that for certain, but I, my guess would be that he didn't. I mean, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, my guess would be that that there's probably some like, you know, that he probably didn't agree on it with him. I, I you know, why, how could he have agreed with it on him? He's the one that has. He's dealing with the daily grind of trying to find a, a guy to close out a game, you know, and try to figure out. There was a lot of people calling for for Whitlock to be the closer, and they were not happy. 
uh, with the fact that you know after he after they took him out as the uh, uh, out of uh, the bullpen, that's when like the bullpen started. I mean, granted, the bullpen has been pretty crappy uh, before that, but when they pulled him out, that just exposed the bullpen even more. Because yeah. now you don't have a guy who can shut down. Yeah. So, like, I mean, you know, like, just an educated guess on this one. Um, you know, like, why would the manager want him starting and, you know, going four or five innings or whatever when you can have him as that, in that valuable role? So I would think that, you know, where Bloom is and all of them are probably looking more towards, you know, the future and him being a starter long term and everything. And yada, yada probably Core was – I would assume he was looking for more results, like, you know, immediate results. And so I, I, you know, I don't know for a fact that they, they had different opinions on that, but I wouldn't be surprised if core wasn't, you know, pleased that uh, Whitlock was in the, wasn't in the bullpen anymore. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't pleased. Um, a lot of people weren't pleased and him being back in the bullpen uh, during this last Yankees uh, series uh, for Friday's, I believe it was Friday's game. Um, was it just showed everybody like this is what's this is this is it this is what we wanted this is how how we wanted this to happen a uh, big surprise on uh in the bullpen though uh john schreiber um he's been fantastic so far i believe he has a uh, 0.86 era it might might be a little bit more now because uh he had a bad outing uh, just recently but um so before i let you go I have two more questions for you. Mm-hmm. And as a uh, reporter, what would you say to all the Bloom haters out there um, about the future? Like, obviously, you're not going to be like, oh, screw Bloom. But, like, what? Are, how would you explain, like, your patience and whatnot to these people? Yeah, I th- I don't think like the um, ownership gets a lot of hate right now, and it's Actually, a little surprising because they have won four World Series and you know since they took over, you know. So I don't think that they're um, against paying people and telling Bloom not to pay people. I mean, he was obviously kind of forced to to trade bets in a way at the beginning, but it's not like he's. I feel like that was going to happen regardless of yeah. or not. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it's not like, you know, so, so the ownership like does want to uh, spend wisely and have, you know, valuations on certain things like, you know, like, you know, in the off season, if you like, like the, um, trying to think like some players that the the Yankees had certain like money on um like they they just wouldn't go over that certain amount in recent years i mean they've been very you know until the 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 coal contract i'm trying to think the specific contract with the Yankees though i don't know but whatever i know it's, Rizzo was a player that a lot of people wanted on the Red Sox because we needed a first baseman yeah so like set set uh you know a certain amount if you know you go over that like for a free agency that you like and you know but I don't think I mean I think he's going to spend I think it's just a very similar situation to as I said what 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible. Signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. What Theo did with the Cubs at the beginning and what, you know, Friedman won consistently with the Dodgers in the beginning, but he didn't spend a ton of money. And, you know, his biggest contract before that Mookie Betts run was like a 93, three year, 93 or something like uh, 95, I don't know, to, to Clayton uh, Kershaw. So like, you know, like I think that he will eventually spend money. I think he's going to, and he has. Um, a lot of people, though, say like Trevor Story, you know, did he just spend the money so that he has a backup plan for Xander Bogarts, you know, when Xander Bogarts opts out? So, like, I can understand what people are saying that. But um, I think they just need to be patient, you know, know that he's going, he's looking at the present and the future. And I think that that's one thing that I interviewed Friedman when he was with the, the you know the Tampa Bay Rays and he he said that to me like the most important part of his job you know was just keeping an eye on the 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 present and the future as you know as a small market guy but I think that you, you often use small market principles a lot of these guys that are coming up like even Friedman used small market principles before he used the big market principles and you can those are interchangeable. You, you, you can do both. And so I think that's the eventual plan with Bloom. I think he will spend. I think he will, you know, do it as a big market. But he's also going to, you know, do small market stuff. And he's going to, you know, he's, I mean, the, their plan, he's got a plan. And, and he's just not going to ver- um, vary from it just because he's going to get a little criticism from some fans and, and the media. Yeah, it feels like I, I've I've heard him on numerous on numerous occasions talking on EEI. He was like, you know, just you know, imagine if I was on Twitter, how roasted I would get um, for like some of the things that I've done. And I mean, he like you've said before, he knows that he's made some mistakes. Yeah, um, and they have a play, like as I said, like you know, like the when they hired him, they were they were just. You know, they were sick and tired of the ups and downs of, you know, like win a World last, Series, last go to last place, you know, you know, make the playoffs, go to last place. You know, that it just kept happening. And so they want to be consistent. Yeah. And so he's, you know, they feel like, you know, he's trying to build that. So I don't, I don't think like he's trying to build it like to the degree where, you know, 
just to make the playoffs every year. I, I hear that a lot. Like, no, the goal is to win World Series, and he will, like, exactly. he will build to win a World Series. I but, mean, and all honesty, I don't, you know, I haven't looked it up or anything, but I mean, like, when was the last time the Yankees had a losing season? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, like, they, it's been, it's been a long time for them. And I hate bringing that up. And yeah, the Red Sox have won four World Series uh, since 2004, but it's like, You've averaged more wins per year than the rest. How many, how many times have we had a winning season in those, you know, mm-hmm. in that 20 years? You know, so like that's basically I see it at that point of view is like, okay, it's cool that we we've we could spend money. It's cool that, you know, we have won four World Series and whatnot, but it needs to be we need to be more consistent. The fact yeah. that we made the playoffs last year. I don't think anybody at the beginning of last year would have been like, was thinking, oh, this Red Sox team is going to be a 90, uh, 90 game win, uh, winning team. You know, nobody, you can't sit here and tell me that anybody was thinking, oh, this team will be two games away from the play, uh, from the World Series. Yeah. You're, you're, you're full of shit if that's what you said, <laughs> if yeah. you're going to say that. Yeah. But um, I just, the consistency, just winning, I, I want to, you know, I'd like to make the playoffs. I'd like to win a World Series, um, and and not a fake 60, 60 game uh, season World Series like the Dodgers. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um, so my last question for you is: uh, as people who are part of the, I guess you would say the Bluminatis. Um, what do you think that people have to look forward to uh, when it comes to him um, and this Red Sox team? And do you have anything on minor leaguers that we should probably be keeping an eye on? Yeah. I mean, questions in one. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that, um, you know, like they have built something. He has turned around, like, you know, the, the for many years, the, the pitching, uh, they, you know, they weren't, um, developing pitchers. And I think that, you know, right now you're seeing, you know, Bayo and you're seeing Winkowski, you're seeing Cutter Croft is actually very interesting. The last three starts, he mixed up his pitch mixes and stuff, his pitch mix and stuff like that. And he's actually been their best young pitcher <laughs> the last three. And so like, there's so many guys, you look at Chris Murphy uh, in the, in, in, they just got promoted to Worcester. And I think he's made two or three stars there. And his stuff is really good. I mean, he throws his basketball up in the zone. He has spin to his, on his breaking ball. And, um, then you got Jay Groom and, you know, whether he ends up in the bullpen or whatnot. I mean, you've got all these guys in, in Brian Mata. I mean, so you've got a bunch of young pitchers. And I think that that's something the Red Sox haven't had in a long time. And that, you know, that's, that's important. And, and um, so I think they are building something in the minor leagues, you know, like, you know, you look at, I think Marcelo can be a great shortstop. Um, you know, the, the draft is very interesting. Um, you know, what they're doing is, is picking a lot of middle infielders from the California area up the top of the last two years. They're not, yeah, picking, right. <laughs> they're not picking as many high school pitchers. Actually, I think it was just, somebody just tweeted out, it was just one over the last two years and, you know, they're pitching college pitchers and so uh, they're picking college pitchers. And so, um, they have an approach, um, you know, and, and their minor league system has improved. I don't know whether, 
how much and you, it seems like Bloom's made a significant impact in developing pitching talent at the higher levels here. There's other interesting pitching prospects that are coming through too. You know, like, um, you know, even like a guy like Luis De La Rosa, uh, and is, yeah, like the guy that they got in the Benatendi trade. I mean, there's, there's just so many guys that, that are interesting pitching wise and, and are coming through. And so, um, I think that there's there's a lot of promise, and but they also have to. The, the, you also have to look at it, and you'd be like, they're they're losing a lot of players at the end of the year to free agency, right. and so they, you know they're going to have to you know sign some of those players, rebuild a little bit within the major league system, and you know, and, and I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, like even with the Chris Sale injury, yeah, sure, that's a huge in, that's a huge loss, um, but now we may get to see somebody establish themselves like. Crawford stick in the rotation or something. I, I like I've become big on Crawford recently. Just after I have to. I don't he, know why. He's just interesting to me. Like you know, he, his contact delivery and like it looks like you know. I'm not saying he's going to be Shane Bieber, but it's very close to that kind of delivery. And it's like he throws so hard. And now that he's mixing things up better and he's commanding the ball, like the results are finally showing. So like. Maybe he catches fire in the second half or somebody else when Kowski's in the rotation and catches fire because Chris Sale was not available. And you know you have somebody that you never knew you would have had. So, I mean, there's a little positives to everything. So uh, he – Carter Crawford, I've said this uh, to to my co-host. I was like, he kind of reminds me. He looks like he could be related to Wolverine. To who? To Wolverine. (laughs) It's it's the it's the eyes. It really yeah. is. I I so don't kill me. I have another one. Yeah. Do we ahead. have any information on Noah Song? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I will try to get some information and tweet it out. That's all I can say. I haven't really. I should no. be more focused on this. I really haven't. There's there hasn't been much. I, I could have. I think his his two year commitment thing ended in June, so you would have thought maybe, but yeah, there hasn't been much on him. I'll have to look into that and get back to you. There's your next story. <laughs> there you go. All right, Chris. Uh, did you want to plug? Uh, give a plug out. I'm you're pretty pretty big. You've got like eighteen thousand followers. So <laughs> yeah, so Smitty on MLB at Smitty on MLB. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. Um, and just read Mass Live. Yeah, definitely check out Mass Live. You've got uh, Catillo. Uh, he's annoying as hell. Um, no, I'm kidding. I love Catillo. Uh, Smith, you as well. Uh, Katie, uh, we've had all three of you on. Uh, I appreciate you coming on and giving me your time. Uh, hopefully we can do this again. Maybe we could do like uh, a Catillo with Smith. That would be awesome. Uh, on the Patsky Report, I'll, I'll see They're if we can do that so. maybe at the end of the season. Yeah, so, definitely. I, I appreciate you coming on. Go take right. care of the kids and go make sure the wife's not mad at you. That sounds good. All right. <laughs> I'll, I'll talk to you later. All right. Thanks. Thanks for watching. Make sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Patsky Report. Make sure to like, subscribe, and leave a review. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 